This is exactly right. That's how we started it this week. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hi. Hey, are you there? Hello? Hey, that's Karen. Who's this? That's Karen. Oh, and that's Georgia. Thank you. And These are our voices, if you can't tell them apart. Oh, yeah, you do yours. Okay. Hi, this is Georgia. I gasp into the microphone a lot. Hi, this is Karen. I sing and uh, it lie. and this is my favorite murder uh which is a podcast where we talk about murders that happen that interest us and intrigue us and hopefully uh make your time at work in the swimming pool or on a darkened road while you take a walk go by a little bit faster yeah welcome goodbye (laughs) oh that was it it's such an effort to do like an official beginning of this fucking podcast. Let's get into it. Let's fucking get into Let's it. Let's pass it all by. Housekeeping. All right. Well, so Jacob. Okay. So this is the thing we want to talk about that yes. I said, don't fucking talk to me about until our podcast. <laughs> That's right. Which She's I very do. stern. I'm very stern. So Jacob Wetterling, his bought his, this, uh, what is he? 13 year old kid who went. I, I, he was kidnapped. He was kidnapped. It was him, his brother, and a friend. They were riding their bikes to the store, and a guy held a, held them at gunpoint and told the other two to run away and took Jacob. Nineteen eighty nine, which we have said many times that the eighties are going to be under arrest for being fucking shitty. It was not a good time for us as children. Well, speaking of, I just watched a documentary that is now on Netflix over the weekend called Who Took Johnny? I stared at that all weekend going, watch it, Karen. This is supposed to be your thing. And I couldn't bring myself to watch Why? it. Why? Because I've heard them talk about it on last, last podcast on oh. the left. And it is so dark and it's so creepy and it is so not your average kidnapping. I just didn't want to have to take it in. I agree. There's a lot of information. The thing I took away from it. Uh, hold on. Um, the Johnny got, I'm fucking running. The thing I took away from it is that his mother, and like, this is the only positive thing, is the biggest badass in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, like, kind of centers, follows her around and what she had to go through, like, when her son got kidnapped and when the police, 72 hour waiting period yeah. for this little boy. Who, in the dark, on his paper route in the morning, his his papers were left behind. His adorable dachshund, which would left was left behind. Which why would you do that? And they said he, they thought he ran away. So she had to go to great lengths for years and years and became an advocate, just like John Walsh is, but without a TV show, uh, for children. Yes. And it's amazing what she's done. I can't. I can't take it in. You got to watch it and. I just am so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Well, but the Franklin cover-up comes into play. It's ugh. so hard to believe. I have such a hard time with so many of these little... Like, there's two things. One of them is that a guy gets arrested and says that he was one of the people who took Johnny Gosh and he became a sex slave. Right. And the other thing is that the mom s- says that she saw him, Johnny... As an adult. As an adult yeah. came to her door. Right. And those two things, like, if you believe them both, it's a fucking insane story. 
If you don't, then it's a fucking insane story because people are crazy. Yeah, everything about it is, you know, it it's if if it was just everything peeled away of just the facts that you actually know, it's an intense tragedy of just a child disappearing. Mm-hmm. There's it's the it's worst case scenario because then you're a grieving parent who never gets relief and what that might do to you, but then there's also the thing of it's just like, I think the reason people like Stranger Things or whatever, it's that thing of, well, then you must be crazy if you are in grief to this right. degree. Yeah. You, and of course, with the mothers, with women, it's always you're crazy. Yeah. And so a woman trying to get answers and get her child help and get some action when she's being deemed crazy, which is the ultimate stamp that people can negate you and your voice with. Yeah. It's she was like saying that too. Maddening like idea. men, men are stern, but women are shrill, you know? Yeah, That's, it's the patriarchy. It's the it's the standard bullshit. And yet she was able to change laws and be an advocate for children who have gone missing and and turn her grief into something useful and worthwhile. Not that grief is not those things, but No, that's great. That's <laughs> that's amazing. That's a huge upswing. She's amazing. Uh yeah. I, I definitely I know it's a hard it's a hard case, but it's a really good Fine, I'll documentary. watch it. Fine. 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 Quit your four <laughs> jobs that you have and stay home and watch <laughs> Who Took Johnny. Here's what I did do. And, but, sorry, we started that by mentioning that right. Jacob Wetterling's remains were finally found, so his parents have rest, and there was a lot of people who sent us that. It makes me really happy that people send us those articles, and they're so, you know, enthusiastically yeah. like, oh, it's such a nice idea to think that after all these years, those, at least, at the very least, those parents have a little bit of rest. Yeah. And a little bit of like, just at least they know where he is. Well, I was, so I, I read that about him being found and they hadn't released a lot of details about it. Now there, there's more stuff coming out, like who, like the guy confessed to it and that's how they found the body. But so the whole time I was watching Who Took Johnny, I was just, and, and all these twists and turns that could, maybe was this and it could have been this and he might be still alive and an adult and all these things. And I couldn't help but just like picture his, this sad, his bones buried somewhere remote as in the exact same way he looked when he got taken and these crazy stories of what happened that are just not true. And in the meantime, these lonely bones somewhere and just made me sad. I know it's, it's so tragic. It's heavy, heavy shit. Uh, that's why I'm going to clumsily segue now into my next piece of housekeeping. Cause let's just, let's not live there forever. Okay, I'm sorry. Did I get too dark? <clears throat> not at all. No, this is what we, this is what we like, but we can't just like, you know, we, we have to continue. It, yeah. Um, I have an apology to make for anyone <laughs> who heard me talk shit about the British procedural rosemary in time. Because <laughs> what I did this weekend was watch probably 20 episodes of Rosemary and Time, which <clears throat> is a hilarious, it's not supposed to be hilarious, but I found it so enjoyable, so relaxing. It's two like middle-aged British women who are gardeners and they go, they keep getting hired. It's very murder she roadie, mm-hmm. except for there's two of them mm-hmm. and they get hired to fix people's beautiful British gardens. It sounds like know. two fat ladies. 
Yeah, but they're very attractive women. Oh, okay. And not, I found the two fat ladies attractive in their own way. They don't have to. They had great personalities. It's okay. Anyhow, these two are so enjoyable to watch. The murders, which is ludicrous. There's always two murders. Everywhere they go, people are dropping like flies. No one cares. <laughs> they're never suspected. But they, but half of, more than half of the show it takes place in the most gorgeous gardens you've ever Aww. seen. So there's a real, like, you can see them aiming at, like, probably like a 60-year-old lady who's going to sit in her chair at night, knit, eat some candy, and watch this show. That and sounds fucking amazing. I was that lady this weekend, and I <laughs> fucking loved it. I was so relaxed. You have to see it. It's But one time someone asked me about British procedurals, and someone recommended Rosemary and Time, mm-hmm. and oh, was I flippant about how that was grandma grandma crime show and I don't care. Well, I'm, I apologize. Whoever I said that to, I am 1000% wrong. I love Rosemary time with the best of them and Pam Ferris. And Oh, I wrote their names down because Felicity, uh, Kendall and Mm -hmm. Pam Ferris are the two stars. They're so goddamn good. And Pam Ferris went on to star in a show called Call the Midwife, which I also love. love. Which one was she? She is the nun that wears the habit all the time. She's like all business nun. She yes. looks like she looks like everyone in my family. I love that show, Call the Midwife. I love Call the Midwife. And she's she's like holds it down on there. So she's been on British TV for like 40 years. It sounds like a combination of uh, Murder, She Wrote and The Great British Bake Off. Yes. Of. Where you're just kind of being soothed by yeah. British voices, a little violence, gorgeous flowers. <laughs> I mean, you can't have one without the other. You sh- and you shouldn't. No. And also, the they what I love is in a British procedural, you will watch them casually drinking tea. And I just love the fact that people like cut out time in the day, I know. drink tea and eat cookies. I think there's bourbon in there. Yeah. Or am I just saying that because I just had Berman in oh, there? I mean, it's probably everywhere. I mean, deep down. I mean, as you un, un, uh, this is all just like g- vodka, <laughs> hundred grain vodka. <laughs> um, other oh housekeeping, gosh. housekeeping. I think the Rosemary and Time apology was my number one housekeeping <laughs> pretty much this week. That was correction corner. <laughs> yeah, that was a huge correction because also once again, I've gotten it wrong with England. Oh, hey, we're in Entertainment Weekly. Oh, hey. Guess what? That's right. We just found this out tonight. Yeah. Someone, uh, very nice here. I'll I'll look them up. Let's give them Um, a yield shout out. They were like a stage mom that I've never had that gave a shit where they, it's D-Train. Of course, D-Train's there for us. Thank you, D-Train. At D-Train writes, hey, did you see this show in Entertainment Weekly? Congrats. And the answer was no, we absolutely had not. not. We didn't know it was going to be in there. We're in there with Atlas Obscura, which is a rad website. Um, We're in there with a band called Sunlit Youth. I'm sure young people love them. I'm sure that they're cool. It's like a bunch of dudes in stretched out white t-shirts with really sparse facial hair. Can I read you my text exchange about it with my dad? Please. So I sent him the photo that um, D-Train sent us and I said, my my podcast is in Entertainment Weekly because you know the only thing that seems legitimate is if it's your, or on television or in a magazine. That's right. Like it doesn't matter if you're on the website. That's right. And he said, OMG, wonderful. Very proud of you. Go, girl. <laughs> Marty. Then he said, comedian. I like the sound of that. And I said, me too. And he said, is this on Facebook? I'd like to share it. <laughs> Daddy. That's your job, Dad. Thanks, Dad. 
Go ahead and throw that up on Facebook with a baby picture. <laughs> Let's see it. Yeah. Uh, well, that's funny because I texted my sister, Adrian and Audrey, who are my hometown posse mm-hmm. and all fans of the show. Not Laura. She doesn't listen to it. My sister's. sister doesn't give it. She's like, I don't have time. A fuck. And I literally have told her when she can listen to it. I'm like, when you drive, after you drop yeah. off your daughter. My sister-in-law is the only one who listens to it of my family. <laughs> like my not related person is the only one who can hear my voice. And I love it. Hate me. Well, Audrey and, Audrey and Adrian both totally listen to it. So I went on to our nonstop constant group text and just went, Hey, you guys look at, we're in entertainment weekly. No one answered for a while. And then Adrian responded, what magazine is that? Oh I'm like, I, don't make me fucking say it twice. Wow. And then no one answered for a while. And then <laughs> I had written, will someone um, please go buy one and give it to my dad? Yeah. And so then nobody answers for a while. And then Adrian comes back and goes, Laura, are you on that? <laughs> and, oh, you're like, hello? Yeah. Anyone? I was like, this is classic. And then I was like, sorry for bragging. And then my sister called me, of course. Still, and she's like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. I sent it to my mom and dad. I haven't heard a word from my mother. Hates, well, hates me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, can I just shout out Yolanda, my sister-in-law, and how sweet she is? Because she listening. Yeah. Oh, was she at the wedding? Of course. I may have met her. Yeah, she's a doll. Um, thanks, Yolanda. It's you're the most important kind of family, which is the family that listens to <laughs> that the podcast. Doesn't hate you for cracking an egg over your their head and when you were five. That's right. There's no um, grudges. Nope. No old grudges with those in-laws. All I've been in her mind is a great aunt. Good time party gal. Yeah. Good yeah. time party girl. Probably great a good aunt. gift giver, I would say. I'm terrible at gift giving. Really? She's a great gift giver. I'm a piece of shit. Um, what, gift cards? Just all Starbucks gift cards everywhere? Mm, I just forget. Yeah. More than that. I try to make it seem like, uh, as if I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, I don't give gifts. I don't either. Karen, like, oh, Karen doesn't do that. Can we agree, and we did this on our last birthdays, that we don't give each other gifts? Let's not do that Ever. to each other. Never. No. Okay. I might, I might pick you up something if yeah, I see it. Totally, it's like that's so Karen all year round. Yeah, but if it has to be on your birthday, I'm gonna let you down. I don't want you to be stressed out and then feel guilty. No way. I don't even. We podcasted on your birthday, and I didn't even know it was your birthday because I don't want to put that shit on I get people. It. I'm but then so I feel old worse at this point. I didn't know. I know, but what do you get? I'm not on Facebook. I keep to myself. I'm a fiercely private person. <laughs> hey, it's my birthday today. You can't say that? Didn't it feel weird just now? Yeah. All right, let's talk about murder. <laughs> Are you ready? That was called that was called family forum. <laughs> that last part. That was called working out friendship details. <laughs> friendship rules. This is an important thing because I swear to God, if I'm friends with a person and they give me some fucking three stacks of beautifully wrapped gifts yeah, on my birthday, you like, I'm like, get off. Yeah. We're don't, not going to be. I don't want this from you. You're going to be very disappointed when you your birthday not rolls around. Getting this from yeah. me, and then I feel obligated, and then I write this card that's like, "Hey, <laughs> thank you for forcing l- this liking me <laughs> out of me." Can I just thank you for a fucking meal? All right, yeah, and f- and actually, you should, and I will. <laughs> I feel you owe me. <laughs> Who went first last week? I think you did. Okay, good. Am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're taking a quickie break. Stay tuned. And then my favorite murders are happening. 
If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. We're back. And we're back. And hi. We're back. Hey. All right. George's first this week. Okay. So, are you ready to put your phone down and listen to me? Um, I was going to send you that picture. <laughs> you get me every goddamn time. What if I was that big of a dick? <laughs> are you ready to listen? That's my one trigger. <laughs> Is phone stuff? No, I'm kidding. I don't give a shit about anything. Um, I'm pulling this microphone forward and leaning back. Okay, go to Instagram.com slash my favorite murder to see a photo we just took. Yeah, it's, I have no makeup on. Neither do I. And my pants are just completely unbuttoned and unzipped. It's my Alicia Keys photo. All right, I'm taking this out. Is it going to make a lot of noise? Are we no, good? I'm not. I'm not going to make one move. Steven, you better tell her if she... I just want to relax. Keep an eye on her. Okay, yeah. Clink clonks. Give me the finger. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my favorite murder this week is that of Gary Earl... Liederman and the Michigan murders. Ooh. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a mashup. Okay. All right. In the late 1960s, there was a serial killer targeting young women in the college town of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ooh. He was called the co-ed killer. He became known as a co-ed killer and he murdered 
women in and around Ann Arbor in a two-year period. Okay. His M.O. was picking up young women between the ages of 13 and 21. Then he would rape, beat, and murder them, typically by stabbing or strangulation. Sometimes their bodies would be mutilated, which I don't get into. Don't worry. Okay. If you're squeamish. After death, before being discarded in a desolate area. And he was also known to visit their bodies before they were found. Ooh. Yeah. He was a fucking creep. Yeah. Like a gross, fucked up, sadistic creep. He was, he was the OG Ted Bundy, it sounds like. Yeah. 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 He was like, I think, I don't know if oh, I should have looked this up, but I, and they must have had the term serial killer already because they called him that. But it was like before this was like a, a known thing. Right. Serial killing. So two young women attributed to the co-ed killer had been found when the body of Jane Mixer, a brilliant 23-year-old law student at the University of Michigan, was found on March 21st, 1969. She was found in a cemetery just west of Ann Arbor, and it was assumed she was a victim of the serial killer, the co-ed killer. Um, but some of the details of her murder were different than the established MO of the co-ed killer. Jane had disappeared after posting a note on a college rideshare bulletin board oh fuck right i mean oh honey yeah she was seeking a ride across the state to her hometown of uh muskegon where she intended oh yeah this is the worst part she intended to inform her family of her engagement and imminent move to new york like she intended to inform everyone of the beautiful life she was building for herself yeah and was excited to start she just had some great news. Yeah. It's like, oh, her parents had been waiting to he- for this day. Yeah. She, yeah. A guy she met at law school who was a sweet angel. They were going to move to New York and pursue their careers. Her sweet baby angle. <laughs> so right. I forgot about that. That's my saying. I love it. Oh, right. TM. Thank you. Um, yeah, it makes me really sad. Yeah, but, you know, like, I wonder how, like, well, there's one thing about hitchhiking that we are always like, don't hitchhike. But the other thing of like putting it, hey, if anyone's heading to like fucking Muskegon, I need a ride. I mean, in this day and age, I think it's a little bit better. Right. If you're going to do that in 1969, don't, don't do, get don't away do from any cork board of any kind. Yeah. There's nothing good is happening. No. Everything's laced with acid. <laughs> Come on. Oh, those were great quotes. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. I'm really mad about it. I had no idea. No, it's ridiculous. So her body had been found in a cemetery atop a grave. Whoa. Um, she had been, and we learned this from, how to say this from Jean Benet, garroted, correct? Yeah. Garroted? Garroted? I don't know. <laughs> All right. With a nylon stocking, and it wasn't her own stocking. It was come to, fi- come oh. to find out. But the way she died was that she was shot twice in the head with a twenty-two caliber. Uh, she hadn't been beaten or sexually assaulted like the other victims of the co-ed killer had, but she did have her dress pulled up showing her underwear. But it had been carefully covered up with her yellow raincoat afterwards, and her shoes and, a co- and her copy of Catch-22 had been carefully placed nearby. Ooh. So, like, this person took care was like painting a picture yeah and like covering her body is such i mean we all know what it means now but back then it was like we didn't understand like that really meant caretaking this person right which means a personal relationship usually i didn't 
Yes, you're right. All right. I thought that's what you were saying. No, but you're right. I just, yeah. I mean, just, yeah. You're so smart. Um, I'm just going to hand this whole podcast over to you. Don't do it. <laughs> Bye. Please don't do it. So four days after she's discovered, the body, another body of the co-ed victim, the co-ed killer is found, Marilyn Skelton. She disappeared while hitchhiking in Ann Arbor. Um, and her murder more closely resembled the MO of the serial killer. Uh, I wrote, fucked up fact. Each woman up until this point, including Jane Mixer, had been menstruating at the time of their death. Oh. What in the actual fuck? What? What are the chances? Okay. Who works at the tampon store <laughs> is my first as I'm. Oh, you think it's a, well, they wore sanitary napkins, like went up to their chin. Who sold the sanitary then? napkin belts? <laughs> Did you just say that went up to their chin? <laughs> Have you seen these things? Can I tell you a hilarious and very quick anecdote? Always. My friend, Lisa Lanyon, who I went to high school Should you with. Be saying her full name. Are you about to tell him? No, she'd like it. Okay. Um, I spent the night at her house one night and I wanted to wash my face before we went to bed. I couldn't find anything to hold my hair back. And oh, then no. I found this, this, uh, no. this white elastic weird headband that had plastic clips on it. Oh, I was God. like, whatever, doubled it up, <laughs> threw my hair back, washed my face. Oh my God. Came out of the bathroom. I'm... Her mother started laughing so hard she could not breathe. <laughs> And then Lisa was like, Karen, you have a sanitary napkin belt on your head. The joke is on them because what the fuck? It was like some old thing. I think she, I think the story was like her mom showed her like, this is what you used to have to use and then threw it in the bathroom drawer. Oh my God. It was like some old thing she found of like, Lisa, can you believe this? You used to have, her mom had this great uh, Boston accent. Her mom was hilarious. That is the most beautiful story I've ever heard in my life. I, um, her mom lost her mind when (laughs) she saw me and she was like you are the funniest girl where I was like I was just putting a hairband in my hair how embarrassing but good for you for washing your face before bed (laughs) (laughs) thanks Jeej pro pro tip (laughs) as someone who has open adult acne on her face right now always wash your face before bed seriously it's something that's very hard to do once you're in your like fourth episode of Rosemary Time you're like I'm not getting off this couch (laughs) who cares that's why within arm's reach at all times you have uh, face wipes everywhere Good oh, one. yeah, girl. Tip for the lazy. There'll be more of those coming up. <laughs> We're very lazy. <laughs> um, that was a great segue. That was the best story I've ever okay, heard. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, are, don't sorry. That needs to be the girl who makes those amazing cartoons of us. Comic, oh, yeah. Comic strips of us. Can, yeah. Can she, can that lovely girl please make one of this story? Yeah. And give me a button nose. <laughs> <laughs> I demand it. <laughs> Everyone keeps commenting when I put photos up, like drawings on, um, Instagram of how that you have a button nose and amazing cheekbones uh, in every drawing because you do. That's right. You just bend people to your will. Yep. Tell me I'm pretty. We said the old fucking hair unless you tell us we're Matt McCarthy actually texted me button nose the other morning. He did. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Matt McCarthy. He it listens. was sarcastic. Yeah, but he listens. He listens and loves. We Maybe love. he sarcastically listens. No, I think he genuinely listens, but was being sarcastic about my button. Okay, so Matt McCarthy of the We Watch Wrestling podcast. We Watch Wrestling podcast, if you like wrestling. All right, all right. Back to the story. Back to the murders. Back to murder. All right. So, da-da-da-da-da, all had been menstruating. Crazy, creepy. Fucking weird. Yeah. And, like, seems linked, right? What are the chances? What are the chances? That's insane. So, after three more murders... Of a 13-year-old named Don Luis Basom and 21-year-old Alice Elizabeth Callum, 
with his final victim, which was due to his capture, being an 18-year-old named Karen Sue Benneman, John Norman Collins, a former fraternity dude, was caught. He's that young? Or yeah. he's just former? No, he was, he was, oh God, I don't know his age, but he was a young man. He was in college, yeah. like college age too? Yeah. Fuck. And honestly, like between you and me, he was fucking hot. What? Yeah. Oh, that's, they're the worst. That's the fuck it. It's the Ted Bundy thing. Well, that's why these girls would get in his car and get on his motorcycle. He was a cute college dude. He's not anymore. He's fucking gross. But look at an old photo of. Right. He was. Well, like no one's going to go with a gross guy. No. It's, if, a, if a guy rolls up and is like, hey. hey, can you help me with my thing? And yeah, and they look creepy. People are going to go. Now I can use my very basic senses to be like, no thanks. Yeah, it's this automatic thing of trusting a, a attractive face. That's right. Man. Giving credit to being attractive is that means you're a good person, a trustworthy yeah. person. So what does it mean that people think I'm a terrible person? Does that mean I'm unattractive? Nobody thinks that. Uh, wait, you're you're trying to give people rides? <laughs> Always. <laughs> you're rolling up and trying to get people hey, to get into your car. To not kill them. Yeah. Just to uh, drive them around and talk about your own stuff. Yeah. It yeah. seems like to vent sometimes. When I say I, I went to therapy today, all I mean is I picked someone up and made them drive around with me for an hour. <laughs> you made them listen to you for an hour. Yeah. And then I gave them 20 bucks and dropped them off. Thank you. Bye. Uh, so he had been interviewed by police previously, but had been eliminated as a, as a suspect. And part of the reason he was caught was due to the identification by a clerk of the wig shop, which his last victim named Karen <gasps> had visited. Yes, this was an episode of the crime, a crime to remember. The one with the car? <laughs> what? It's like it, the one thing they knew about him, like they had no idea who it was for a long time, but the one thing they knew it was like a blue car. It was a motorcycle. Oh, oh. Is that the one where the little girl gets kidnapped, like from her driveway? Yes. And, and they knew the car. Yeah. And it turns out it was a guy that lived right in the neighborhood? Yeah. Okay, I'm Wait. combining. Sorry, I'm combining. Yeah, no, you're right, though. So, Karen, the last Karen. <laughs> I've watched too many crime shows. Oh, my God. They're they all are, the same in my same. mind now. So, Karen. Hi. Karen, the last person who was murdered by him that day, the day of her disappearance, had visited a wig shop. And the clerk had remembered that Karen uh, was visiting her store to purchase a hairpiece. And there was a young man waiting outside for her on a blue motorcycle. Ooh. And Karen told the clerk, I mean, man, this bums me out already. Mm. She said to the clerk to observe the man with whom she had accepted a ride, a cockeye on a motorcycle stating that she had made two foolish errors in her life, purchasing a wig and accepting a ride from a stranger. And then she stated, I've got to be either the bravest or the dumbest girl alive because I've just accepted a ride from this guy. What yes. are the fucking chances? She was then seen climbing onto the motorcycle before uh, riding away with him. You know, that makes me think of... It's like when you get a bad feeling in your gut and you make light of it. That's right. <gasps> and you feel like, oh, if I just say this to one person, it'll yeah. make it less a bad feeling in Isn't my gut. Isn't crazy? And like, yeah, exactly. Where you're like, this crazy thing just happened to me. This person assaulted me. And you're like, 
we should be taking it seriously. Well, no, I just mean it more in the way of like before anything happens, before anything bad happens, but you do have the thing of this isn't right. Like what? The, yeah, the- that. But I was going <laughs> to, I mean, from your own life. <laughs> Are we fighting? <laughs> That was amazing. Like what? No, I meant from your own life. Like what? Most of the time, if I get a a thing, I walk. I I don't do this. But uh, but I think probably back when I drank, I would do it more. Right. But there wasn't a lot of information coming in because of like the gallons of whiskey that I had inside. Yeah. There's definitely jokes I've made that are like. Like I have a hot date tonight, and it's like, well, it's just with pers- this with, with this person you don't fucking know, yeah. And it's and you're really actually you should be afraid. Yeah, you're nervous, and you're telling people, and you're trying not to act quote unquote weird by telling them I'm yeah. nervous. So you're just trying to make a joke about it. But then Vince and I got married, so it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one time I did go on a date with someone. I was going on a date with someone, and I gave his phone number to my best friend. This is before self, like most. Before cell phones to be like, Hey, if I don't show up tomorrow. Yeah. This is, here's my, inf- here's his info. Yeah. That's not cool. Well, but also now, cause a lot of people talk about this, uh, to us, which is, I don't want to leave my house. I'm so anxious. I'm so nervous. I think everyone's going to kill me or whatever, which I think is people connecting with us and people reaching out. They have heard us say it. They're going to just say it too. Cause they're admitting it. Mm-hmm. But. There's also that thing of just, it's just a safety precaution. Nobody cares. Nobody thinks you're weird. You give that number and then you just have a little thing in place because yeah. it's, I think it's a smart thing to do. It's just taking, it's being proactive for yourself. Yeah. Because yeah, you're going to go on a date. If you've met a person, none of the other, other alarm bells are going off. Right. It doesn't mean you shouldn't, that's a person you shouldn't go on a date with because. It's just being precautious. But, but yeah, but also do that thing that might feel weird, but you can just do it for, with a friend. You don't yeah. have to do it to every person you know. Yeah. Then you're being like neurotic. Yeah. But you, you put a little safety. Sure. Measure out there. Hell yeah. 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 All right. Ready? Mm hmm. <laughs> um, except the ride. So that's how he one of the one of the main ways he got caught that led to all the other other evidence against him. And in August 1970, John Norman Collins was found guilty of first degree murder of Karen, his last victim. Mm -hmm. And he was sentenced to serve a life imprisonment with hard labor in solitary confinement. He never admitted his guilt in either the murder of Karen or any of the other murders linked to the Michigan murder he is suspected of committing. So they only tried him for that one crime for the one murder that they had a ton of evidence on and eyewitness evidence. And then he was never going to get out. So they didn't try him for the other murders, which has to be hard when you're the family of those other victims. And how many other people were there? Did you well, say? here's okay. So here's the rest of the story. Oh shit. So they, I mean, up until 2002, they figured he had like seven murders in the area. Um, but the case of Jane Mixer was considered solved by the fact that John Norman Collins had did it until 2002 when Michigan state detectives noticed 
that a lot of the details of her murder didn't match up with Colin's crime. So they took a look at the case again and they took three drops of sweat that had been on Jane Mixer's pantyhose and a single drop of blood that had been on her hand to be tested for DNA. All right. The DNA didn't match John Norman Collins, the co-ed killer, but it did match 62-year-old Gary Learman, who was a former nurse from southwestern Michigan, who was a drug salesman in Michigan at the time of the murders in the area. Um, it was thought that Lederman was the person who had responded to Jane's note on the college rideshare bulletin asking for a lift home because somehow a, a dorm room book, uh, a phone book in the dorm rooms read the words, quote, mixer, and Muskegon, which is where she was going, mm-hmm. and were um, were linked to his handwriting. But that was in 2002 that they found those, or that they linked those. All right. Anyways. So Maybe they had the evidence, but they just hadn't kind of put anything right. together. Yeah. Just sitting somewhere. Yes. Um, and then when his house was searched, where he had lived with his wife of, seven, of 27 years, Two Polaroid pictures of a 16-year-old foreign exchange student who had lived with him and his wife were found. The girl was drugged unconscious, lying on his bed with her clothing pulled back to show her junk. And it was similar to the pose that Jane had been left in uh, in the cemetery. Whoa. So the sweat stains linked to Lederman, not the serial killer. But the drop of blood found on her hand was linked through DNA to someone else. It was a Detroit man who was, at the time of the DNA match, serving life in prison for murder. The problem was, ready for this? Mm -hmm. That John uh, Ruelas, whose DNA matched the blood drop, was four years old at the time of the murder. (gasps) Right? So... The defense argued that the state police lab had contaminated the samples when both men's DNA were tested at the lab within a day of each other. Um, Lederman's had been tested separately. He had a recent arrest for forging prescription meds from where he worked as a nurse. And Ruelas was for murder. But the cross-contamination made the DNA match to Lederman. It should have made it in the in the court case just null and void. Because if you find someone else's DNA on this person, that is, there's no way that person could have committed the crime. Then the the rest of the DNA should be fucking thrown out, of, thrown out as evidence, right? What is that? Are you saying that's the law? Or you're just saying that's think, like logic? That's logic to me. We can get to that. It didn't get thrown out. The prosecution argued that Ruelas, who was four years old at the time, and a chronic nose bleeder must have been at the crime scene and somehow got a drop of blood on your face that you're making is correct, is what I feel too. Yeah, for a four-year-old with a bloody right. nose wandered over to a dead body. They didn't argue that there was a mistake in the crime lab, but, crime lab, but, but the other DNA was legitimate, and here's why. They said that there was a four-year-old boy in the cemetery 
and had somehow gotten his blood on her. That in and of itself is the creepiest thing we've talked about this whole episode. <laughs> the idea of a four-year-old with a bloody nose yeah. walking through a cemetery yeah. and stumbling upon a dead, dead body. And it's absurd, but he he was uh, convicted. Who Lederman was convicted of the murder of Jane Mixer based on the the DNA evidence and these other little basic things. Hmm. Um, according to the book Inside the Cell, The Dark Side of Forensic DNA by Aaron Murphy, which we all need to read immediately. I'm fucking buying. The lab analyst admitted that they routinely process samples from different cases at the same time, as well as one of the negative controls processed in this case at the time that the pantyhose sample was processed that was processed had become contaminated like not even connected to all of this but the analyst had tried to hide that fact oh in addition royal's dna wasn't even processed at that lab it was sent out for testing in a different location but they still were able to cross contaminate at that at the uh, lab where it had originated like, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. Right? So, after minutes of del- deliberation, Lederman was convicted of first-degree murder and got life in prison. He Minutes of deliberation? Mm-hmm. Jesus. I know. All right. So, I kind of wrote these things of, like, here's what's hard to argue uh, uh, with of Lederman being guilty, is that all of the crimes that we're talking, including mixers, had to do with rides somewhere, mm-hmm. which was the M.O. of the co-ed killer. They all had something tied around their necks, some of which didn't belong to the murder victim, including Jane's. Um, the first few were menstruating, which is fucking insane. Bizarre. They were all left in locations where they would eventually be found, kind of on purpose. Uh, They all were connected to the university, which, I mean, if you live in Ann Arbor, that's kind of hard not to. Yeah, it's a university town. Uh, A lot of them were strangled, and the fifth known victim was shot in the head as well. So it wasn't totally against his MO. But at the same time, the majority of those murders, he was never tried and convicted for. So it's not like we can say that he did them definitively. Right. Um, But according to Lederman's roommate in college... Lederman owned and liked to shoot a twenty-two caliber, and he was obsessed with the serial murders. Ooh! So it's kind of the, it's kind of this. If any, it, it reminds me of making a murderer, where it's like, I don't know if he's guilty or innocent, but he shouldn't have been prosecuted based on these pieces of evidence. Yeah, that's right, and that's the, really the only thing you have at the end of the day because right. everything else is bias and circumstance and kind of judgment yeah and it was 2002 at the height of like csi being a big thing and everyone thinking dna was like the end all be all and not realizing that so much of it like eyewitness testimony was flawed because it was because human error and people not admitting like covering up human errors like good god yeah so that's that's crazy yeah so you're you you believe that Lederman should not be in jail. For, you think that that last death, the woman that was found in the graveyard, is a co-ed killer. I don't victim. think I can't say that definitively. I think there should have been more evidence to try. I feel like now in 2016, we should go back and look and find whatever whatever other evidence we can find and DNA test those other victims that we are attributing to the co-ed killer 
kind of cross-reference them with Jane Mixer and see what really happened. But I don't, I'm not, I can't say definitively that he should be let out. I just think in the same way Stephen Avery was like, should get a new trial and, you know, serial Anand Syed should be, you know, you can't, you can't convict someone, especially when they have shoddy defense based on these basic things that, you know, in the future, we're going to laugh at as like, I know. And it could, the future could be like four years. Right. From now. Right. That's I mean, 2002 thing. seems not that long ago. Right. It's so huge. It's a, a huge difference uh, uh, when it comes to like scientific evidence and all this. Now, where do you think, uh, where do you think that bloody four year old plays into this? I mean, that's the most, fu- that's the, that's the only reason I'm talking about this murder is because that is so fucking insane and so clearly human error of cross contamination in that lab. I can't believe the, the trial went forward. Yeah. After that was found out. That lawyer, when he found that out, that that's what that blood spatter was, yeah. must have been so stoked. The, the defense. Uh, who I don't know. Whoever found that, I was just like, "This is." I think the defense, the big reveal of like, is this blood? Well, it was four years old. The defense should have been stoked that that was that they found a four year old's blood who had been whose DNA had been tested in the same lab a day before. But for some reason, he didn't pursue that enough in in the trial to convince the jury that that was fucking insane. Because at the time, you like you're saying, it's like DNA is a lock. Yeah. Oh, I mean, those prosecutors were good. I'm sure. Well, and also you get somebody, it's like, it's, you know, people want a thing like that. People want that story finished. Closed. They want a period. They want, they want it closed up and they want somebody to pay. Yeah. And that's a hard position. You know, we've felt that same way. Yeah. Or it's just like erase what's happening or like somebody gets justice. some justice. Yeah. Justice is such a fraudulent term. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter 
enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's It's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit MadeInCookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N Cookware.com. Goodbye. So this week I'm going back to my tried and true, which is um, I'm going to retell you one of my favorite episodes of I Survived. Well, I never, I've never seen the show, so please do. <laughs> and this one I love because this plays on if you, uh, if this, you, if you have some home alone as a young lady fears, this is going to cause some problems. So, uh, spoiler alert, trigger alert, uh, scary, scary alert. Oh no. It has all these pieces. And the first time I saw this on I Survived, I was like gripping the couch. I was so uh, freaked out. So essentially it goes a little something like this. Um, it's April 15th, 1995. And a, a young, um, bright, beautiful, successful 25 year old young lawyer named, um, Jennifer Mori is, uh, goes out and has a drink with her friends after work one night. Big mistake. <laughs> her fault um she goes she's at the local alehouse all her friends are there um she doesn't want to go at first they convince her to stay then she ends up having a great time and uh she stays until midnight then her friend drives her home and um she uh lives in an apartment complex called bayou park in houston and um the reason that she picked this apartment complex to move into was because it was all about security and it had uh not just like you know the the apartment security guards they had they actually hired pinker pinkerton security guards Whoa. to to work at this place so they was, go back in time that's still a thing <laughs> no they've been around that's how long they've been around wow. it's still like a major company holy shit um so, and that name means a lot to people in security. So, uh, that's why she picked that apartment building to live in. So she goes home at midnight, goes in, let's say she washed her face, which is what you should do <laughs> before you go to bed, ladies. Um, so she goes in, gets ready for bed, goes to bed, turns out all the lights, wakes up at 4am. There's someone on top of her. No. 
Yeah, yeah, get ready for this. No. It's going to be this the whole time. Scared. So there's someone straddling her and she can feel something on her neck. And she realizes. Is it a puppy? Someone, no, it's not. She realizes someone's broken into her apartment and they're uh, attempting to rape her. Mm. She's, she can't figure out if she's dreaming at first. It's that yeah. horrible in between feeling. Ugh. She finally, when she becomes fully awake and she realizes someone's straddling her, um, they've got a knife to her throat and they're going to rape her. She just starts fighting. Good for her. So she, does everything she can. She, she fights this guy. She grabs the knife. It's all the stuff, uh, all the crazy shit. And she's fighting him so hard that he cuts her from the cheekbone to the middle of her neck and he slices her neck open. Uh. Um, so she keeps on fighting, but uh, suddenly it gets very slippery and there's blood everywhere. And, um, Finally, she starts losing blood and like the fight goes out of her. Oh no. He takes her by the hair. Oh no. And he pulls her across, out of the bed, across the room, throws her into the bathroom and says, you stay in here and you do not move. And he slams the door. And so she, she throws her back up against the door in the bathroom. She grabs a washcloth and she puts it up against her wound, pressure, Constant pressure when yeah. you have a wound like that. Um, oh my God, oh my God. She throws her feet up against the wall and she's like jammed herself there so he can't come back in. Yeah. Um, and then she sits there and waits and listens and she hears him zip his pants up and then she wait and then she hears the door close and then she waits a little bit longer oh my God, oh my God. to make sure and then she goes to open the door and she can't open the door because there's so much blood on her hands. <gasps> That she cannot get a grip on the door. And she's pulling at it and pulling at it. And then she actually says in the story, she actually started laughing because she was like, oh, this is how I'm going to die. She's one of us. I get stuck. I get stuck in the bathroom. And that's how I I can't get help. So finally she gets out. She yanks the door open. She gets out. She fumbles to throw on the hallway light. The lights are dead. Oh, man. She crawls. She gets to the phone phone's dead no 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 yeah so then she finds her cell phone it's alive she brings it back into the bathroom and she calls 911 mm-hmm. so that night a man named richard everett was working was the dispatcher he had just gotten onto his shift oh my god heroes they're his all night heroes shift. um so this is 4 a.m yeah. when this started so uh, so I guess he was starting a very early morning shift them mid, maybe middle of the night. I don't know. Um, so she explains to him what's happened and he just starts telling her, you're going to be fine. Just try to stay calm. Don't talk that much. We just keep it. The cops and the ambulance are on their way right now. They're going to be there really soon. You know, and, we could listen to this right now. And you're going to be fine. There's no fucking way I would ever listen to it. <laughs> I know. Um, and she's saying, I'm bleeding so much. You please make sure they hurry or whatever. And he's like, they're, they're coming there as fast as they can. Just hold that washcloth. You're going to be okay. Oh, my God. And... So after like 10 minutes, he's just talking her down and she's actually starting to calm down and she's feeling okay. There's a knock at the door. No, no, no. So she's like, there's someone's knocking at the door. And he's like, who is it? And she goes, well, hold. So she yells from the bathroom, who is it? And he says, this is Brian Gibson, the security guard that's on, on, uh, 
um, duty tonight. No. Um, I just got attacked by a guy who jumped off your balcony. Are you okay? Is that true? Is it true? And she doesn't know. So she's like, she, he goes, are you okay? You, you should let me in. And, no. she, and she goes, I'm okay. Um, I'm talking to 911 right now. And the dispatcher on 911 goes, wait, what's going on? And she goes, no, it's okay. It's the security guard. He wants me to let him in. And Richard Everett, for no reason Hero. except for gut, goes, do not let him in the door. And she goes, no, it's Pinkerton security. That's the whole apartment. Like, that's the no. whole setup here. And he goes, uh, he, he said, here's the thing. We haven't uh, notified security at your apartment <gasps> complex yet. So unless they have a police scanner. Yeah, but if he saw someone he, jumping off the, it doesn't matter. He, he, what is he going to do? We don't know moment? about that story. Yeah. But he goes, we just don't know what that is. Yeah. So just don't let him in. Yeah. So she's like, I'm not going to let you in right now. And the guy's like, it's, I swear it's okay. I'm, here's my badge. You know, like he's, he's like, I just need to help you. Are you, you, you know, are you bleeding? There's blood out here. Um, you know, I want to make sure that you're okay. And she's like, I'm fine. Um, the cops are on their way and he's like, I know I can hear the alarms. You know, I know CPR. I can help Mm. you, whatever. And, and, and he goes, I'm sorry. I just, the dispatcher Mm -hmm. says to Jennifer, I just don't think you should let him in. And she's like, okay, I'm really scared though. I'm starting to lose blood. I'm getting lightheaded. Oh my God, I have a coochie twinge. This is so exciting. Like, what if I, what if I pass out and I'm yeah, in here yeah, yeah, yeah. and the door's locked? They kick it down. It's fine. Um, and so he's just, he just keeps talking to her and he's like, just listen to the sound of my voice. I'm watching mm-hmm. the cops drive up the street. Aww. They are three minutes away. That's so You long. just have to hang on for three more minutes. And meanwhile, the guy's like, Jennifer, can you talk to me? Are you okay? You know, can you just let me in? And, um, so he wouldn't, if he was supposed to be there, he wouldn't be so insistent. He would, you know what I mean? Like. Well, but it's a woman who's bleeding and there's blood. It's like clearly there's a scenario. Now, if you were a security guard yeah. and you knew a woman had just gotten attacked with a knife, you would kick the door down and she's in there bleeding out and freaking out and not letting anybody help her. You might kick the door down. Yeah. Totally. So, but Richard's like, I don't know. So just don't do it. Well, then the knocking starts getting harder. And he's like, <laughs> you need to let me in here. And she, then she's starting to freak out because now she doesn't trust anybody. She yeah. has no idea what to do. But then suddenly she hears the, um, sirens? The, the sirens in the background. So she knows the plate and he's like, do you hear the sirens? They are, they are coming up the driveway road. She's like, yes. And he goes, so the ambulance is there. Like you Don't are going to live. Even. You're fine. So just keep that door shut yeah. and you will be fine. Well, the knocking stopped. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's totally silent outside of the door. So now she's more scared. Yeah, she's yeah. like, what the fuck is it? Yeah. When the cops pull up to this apartment complex, a, this security guard, Brian Gibson, meets them out there. And he is a mess. He is bleeding from his right hand. Oh, There's fuck. blood on his face. There's blood on his uniform. Murderer. Shirt. And he tells the police his story that he walked up, he saw a guy, he jumped down from her second story balcony Mm -hmm. and attacked him. They got into this fight and the guy ran off into the woods, Mm -hmm. like into into a field over on the side and he didn't see where he went. And then he went up to check on the lady who will not let him in, who's freaking out. Right. So the cops are like, all right, stay here. Sounds good. They start to check everything out. There's no trail into the grass is dewy because nope. it's 6 a.m. Yep. No, not nothing. 
So they're like, get that guy and put him in a room over there. Yeah. They go up to Jennifer's apartment. The the ambulance has already taken her away. She's going to live. Oh my God. Okay. Because the show is called I Survived. (laughs) She told the story herself with a big old scar on her neck. She's gorgeous. This woman is like gorgeous and uh, a lawyer. So she's the best. She's killing it. Yeah. The cops go into her apartment. There's blood everywhere. There's also a Pinkerton hat. Oh, what? And there's men's underwear on the ground. Come and a knife. On. So they pick up all this shit and they go back down to Brian Gibson, the secure, the Pinkerton security guard that works there. Yeah. How is that in there? And they say, can you take your shirt off, please? And he's like, no, I, no, it's fine. I was actually the one that was attacked. And they're like, take your shirt off. There's claw marks all <gasps> over his body. Oh my God. He's not wearing underwear. Nope. He has shaved his pubic hair. <gasps> no pubic hair. Meaning no hair left behind. That's exactly right. And he doesn't have a hat. Because he was the person, the security guard no. at the apartment building where she lived. Did he have keys to everywhere? Was well, he didn't have uh oh yeah, he must have had keys to get into her house. Master that's key, why. yeah. Or some key or he could have like I mean, he had total access yeah, to her. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Shit. That was the most upsetting thing Fuck, that I read. Sorry. Is, no, no, no. But I just forgot it. It's he was calling her by her first name when he was talking to her oh, before shit. he, when he was first on her, um, oh which God. I think is one of the other, the other reasons she got so freaked out and fought so hard is because it's like, what the yeah. fuck is going on? Guess how much I'm sleeping tonight. Zero. Yeah. But she survived. <laughs> it turns out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they arrest him. They, uh, he gets 20 years for attempted murder. Man, what the fuck? And he's on parole now. What? No, I'm going to fucking... In Texas. Jump off my second story balcony. He's on parole in Texas. When is attempted murder going to be treated like what it was intended to be? Like murder, you mean? Murder. Right. That is so troubling to me that it's like, well, you didn't get away with it. So you're not because she lived. Right. Simply because she fought. So you, you don't, you don't deserve the punishment of what you were intending to fucking do. Well, and also the cops are positive that if she had let him in when he came back the next time to quote unquote check on her, he would have killed her and picked up all his shit he left behind. Totally. There's, that is absolutely there. The cops are positive. That's the reason. So did, what's the name of the guy, the, uh, the 901 dispatcher did he get Richard Everett all of the ribbons and whatnot they're still friends to this day he (sighs) went to her wedding (sighs) yeah oh my god yeah they're they're close friends I'm gonna cry yeah and she talks about him when in her episode of uh, I Survived, she the way she talks about him is like one of the sweetest things you've ever seen. I can't deal with that. Because he, in the worst moment of her life, like saved her life, yeah. essentially, in that way that like beautiful things happen too, hideous fucking yeah. things. And she went on to become the trauma support, ser- the director of trauma support services of North Texas. Gorgeous. And she, I read a thing, she went around, spoke, I mean, it was 2015, I think, when mm-hmm. the article, what the article was from, 2013 or 2015, she was going around speaking at schools and telling people horrible things happen in yeah. life, but it's all about what you're prepared, how you're prepared for them. And basically, she gave this talk that was kind of like 
the stuff that we talk about, which yeah. is like running scenarios and thinking about these things can actually help you not panic and not completely lose it when something really upsetting happens because you've kind of run a scenario. You know where your cell phone is. You you, you have things planned. You know where flashlights are. Like you have things planned out a little bit so you at least can put a plan together. It's a good way to like uh, to make sense of your anxiety and that like, well, maybe someday this anxiety or this thing that me thinking about these awful things happening is going to make me better in a, in a situation where I need to not fucking panic because I've already run the scenario through my head or. Yeah. And also it can take away from that. Like you don't need to beat yourself up for thinking about it. Yeah. You don't need to tell yourself you're crazy for yeah. thinking about it. You're smart for thinking about it and you're empowered for thinking about it and you, you're taking action. It's not, you know, you don't have to live in it and shut the door. You go right. out in your life knowing that you are armed with information and, and having an awareness and a security that you, you know, you've done as much as you can with your anxiety to prepare yourself, but you're not letting it take over your life. Yeah. And get in the way like you're never you're not going to never leave the house again because you're aware of all these fucking terrible things that happen. Well, and also it's like this isn't a story about how all security guards are evil. Right. A lot of them do just as good shit as Richard Everett, the 911 dispatcher yeah. did. A lot of them have, you know, good in, that good intentions of I took this job because I want to help people for this exact reason. But you take it on a case by case basis. Yeah. So if you meet a person, you get the weird feeling in your gut absolutely trust yourself and just get out of there. You know what I mean? You don't, that's, that's what all that's about. It's like to the individual. Arm yourself with knowledge, but don't let that overwhelm you. Yeah. And also take a break every once in a while. And like the other day, some girls, like I had a, she tweeted, I had a hard day at work. I'm going to drink wine and watch I Survived. And I wrote back, drink wine and watch Bob's Burgers. <laughs> if you already had a bad day, relax. I, that's a great suggestion. Take a break. Watch fucking Rosemary and Thyme, where it's a lot of nice flowers, <laughs> a lot of great accents. Mm-hmm. It's chill. You can, don't live in it. Like, like visit and then, and then go somewhere else for a while. That's a beautiful... Take a... Have a glass of wine and, and watch Bob's Burgers. It's like... Bob's Burgers is the... Oh, my God. It it makes me so happy. It is the most perfect show. It's positive. It's a family that loves each other, that's funny, that that isn't perfect at all. Mm Mm-mm. And it's hilarious. Relatable. My six-year-old nephew is obsessed with Bob's Burgers. The songs they write for that show oh my God. are the best comedy songs there are. Yeah. It is my favorite. How they come up with those every episode boggles my mind. Whoever their musical... I should look it up right now. Whoever their musical director is, fucking straight up 1,000 props to yeah. you. Um, that's... And that's... Karen, that was... You tell those stories so well it's almost like i'm not cheating yeah when i am (laughs) are you i wouldn't know this is a podcast where some of the time i just retell tv shows i've (laughs) but you say that but you tell them you don't read them that's true because i've seen that one jennifer's i've watched probably five times because she tells it it's it's so compelling. She's she's so real. She's upset at certain points. She's very angry and like very self righteous at certain points. It's a fucking 
awesome thing to behold. Well, she's, like, she's a great survivor. You tell it to me like we're at a party together. Whereas like if I did mine, it would be like so many missing elements of it because I can't remember half the shit that like I have to kind of like go off my own notes, which I don't copy and paste, but you know, I lead with them. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just copying her, her story. Wow. I mean, that's, that's stories though. You just, yeah. that's how I learned to tell stories is just both of my yeah. parents. That's all they did. Yeah. It's like we're sitting by a fire. Two cavemen. Two cavemen sitting by a fire. Tales as old as time. The only thing we have to eat are cookies. <laughs> oh. Um, did, did it, someone come running from, <laughs> I didn't say it right. Oh, he's just, he's Jabba the Hutt right now. Guys, thanks for listening. Do all the things that you're supposed to do and support. We love you. We couldn't be doing better. And it's because you guys all listen and support and do all the things we always ask you to do. We couldn't thank you more for that. The best listener. Like, you guys are the best. It's We're so lucky. We are so fucking lucky. Uh, Just make sure that you stay sexy. And you don't get murdered. Elvis, you want a cookie? (laughs) You want a cookie? Cookie? All right. He's getting a cookie. (laughs) Bye. Bye.